the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. The New American Standard says he uttered no threats. He was there to fulfill the mission that God gave him. He wasn't entitled to anything. And he sat there like a lamb led to the slaughter. He did not open his mouth like a sheep before his shears. And he gave us an example to follow, that we might follow in his steps. I know that's upside down from a worldly sense, but it's right side up. In God's eyes. I can see the promised land, though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry, the anthem for all my life. Every dragon will fall, the mountains will move. Every chain of the past you've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible with you Hello and welcome to today's edition of Grace to Live with Keith Crosby Senior Pastor at Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so happy that you've chosen to spend time with us on the program today. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues our walk through the Sermon on the Mount with his successful Kingdom Living teaching series. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 5. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. But until the heart changes, fallen, sinful humanity, depraved humanity, selfish humanity will do what it does. And you see this kind of heart changed personified in the Gospel of Luke in Luke uh, chapter 18 verses 10 through 14 in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Now think about this. What do Pharisees do? They're all about rules, right? The Pharisees thought the law of Moses wasn't enough, so they created, they legislated all these other moral customs and mores that went beyond the law to change Israel. How did that work for them? They killed their Messiah. So we have this parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. I think in the King James it says publican and the tax collector. And we have this beginning in Luke 18, verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. Basically, he's a good citizen. He pays his taxes and he votes. And he is better than most people. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who realize they are nothing spiritually. That they don't deserve anything but sin, death, and hell. Those who realize that if they were a one-eyed, one-eared, one-armed, one-legged man, that they had received better than they deserve because that was grace. They were still alive and could still receive eternal life. Blessed are those who do not feel entitled. The taxpayer, the tax collector, was the meek. The tax collector was the poor in spirit. He hungered and thirsted for the righteousness that only God could give him. That is a picture of successful kingdom living, that you realize how worthless you are. You know, we're, we live in the age of self-esteem. Well, you couldn't sin unless you had too much self-esteem to do what you know is wrong in the, in the presence of a holy God. This, we are, God have mercy on us, a sinner. We don't, we're not easily offended because dead people can't be offended, because sinners saved by grace have nothing to claim. They have no rights, no entitlements. All they're entitled to is an attorney separated from the love and the grace of God. And therefore, because they have a relationship with God, they live it out from the heart. They're changed from the inside out. It all starts in the heart. A merciful heart that has received mercy, a purified heart that hungers for God and his love, which knows it's not entitled to anything. The tax collector, the tax collector should be a picture of us. Pharisees pass laws. Pharisees impose their will on other people. Pharisees had people that they didn't agree with ostracized from the faith community. But gospel-driven change changes us from the inside out. It's a change of heart. It's not a coat of paint. It's inside out. It's not a veneer. It's who and how we are. And if you want to change the world one soul at a time, you've got to be starting with your heart. There's no law that you're going to pass that's going to coerce anybody into anything. Someone's always willing to break the law. Someone's always willing to do what they want to do. Someone's always willing to compromise, negotiate, cross their fingers and agree to do one thing and do just the other. All right, so successful kingdom living, the first trait is it begins in the heart, but it doesn't stay there. The second trait is, is that it goes from the inside out. We see that in verses 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the last beatitude. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Inside out, right, up, right, right side up living comes at a cost. It's noticeable. You don't fit in. You're no longer part of the lynch mob. You don't go with the flow. You don't participate with the crowd. You don't engage in groupthink. You don't, you don't worship secular solutions to spiritual problems. You swim against the tide, and people notice it. There's no such thing as an invisible Christian. They're just professing Christians and real Christians. Real Christians stick out. What does it say in 2 Corinthians 5.17? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passing away. Old, Old things are passing away. All things are becoming new. You leave the gang. And when you leave the gang, if you know anything about gang initiations and gang exit interviews, it's brutal. And so you're going to stick out. You're going to be persecuted for righteousness sake. You don't have to go looking for it. You know, there are some boisterous Christians in the workplace who get fired and then claim persecution. 
No, if you're stupid in the workplace, if you break all the work rules, if you're arrogant, you got what's coming to you. Don't claim persecution. It says when they revile you and persecute you and say utter, utter all kinds of things against you falsely on my account. That's what it talks about here. Instead of making a bunch of noise, they respond biblically. Not thoughtlessly, but thoughtfully. The new heart produces new ways which leads to new actions. In Ephesians it says, let the thief who steals steal no longer. Let the drunk who drinks drink no longer. It's not that he's painting the outside of his cup. It's that he's been changed from the inside out. And he has the power to do whatever God calls him to. And he has a love for God. He hungers and thirsts after righteousness. He wants what God wants. And it shows. How will people come to Christ? How will you change the world? How will you change all of this mess and stress that's going on around us? By living out your faith in a humble, happy, compelling, conspicuous way. You will visibly practice successful kingdom living inside out living it's not about hashtags it's about seeing souls change from the inside out it's not about marches it's about conversations between the lost and the saved about what really matters we come to the third trait of successful kingdom living and it's this and this is kind of an interesting trait in a way it never goes unrewarded it never goes unrewarded where do we see that verse 12 rejoice and be glad Your reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Inside-out living seeks first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all the things that that really matter will be added to you. Inside-out living never goes unrewarded because when you are saved, aside from your eternal reward of having a heavenly home for all time, God allows you to be part of his kingdom work, and that's a reward in itself. But more importantly, it's not about externals, it's about internals. You are bringing people to Christ, you are praying for people, you are ministering to people, and you are laying up treasure in heaven, not on earth. Your portfolio, the portfolio that matters, is one that you can take with you. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's the other reward, right? A student is not above his teacher, a servant above his master. They persecuted me, they will persecute you. You get to share in the sufferings of Christ. And that, that is a great reward. Because we're in good company, so they persecuted the prophets who were before us. Think about that. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you on my account. You know, as a husband and a father and as an employer and as an employee, I can tell you, I can't tell you how many times I've made hash of certain situations that I live to regret in my actions and deeds and comments. But I can tell you this, the blessing that I have by doing what God requires of me is my comfort and my encouragement. You know, blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. We will be blessed by God. Our heart peace, our contentment, our joy, our success, not as the world counts success, not as the world counts happiness, not as the world counts joy, but as God counts it. Our comfort in the dark of the night at the end of our lives is going to be found in our reward because we served God and we loved God and we suffered the consequences as we counted the cost. And our blessing comes in knowing that with our limited skills and ability, we serve God and people noticed and God noticed.
It never goes unrewarded. And when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, that is a reward too. You know, the disciples, when they were called in before the Sanhedrin and told not to preach in the name of Jesus, it talks about it in Acts, and they were beaten. And when they left, they were rejoicing that they had suffered on account of Christ's name. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. There's also a warning there. It's implicit in the text. When others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, you break the law, you go to jail. You know, we have people who, and you know, there, there is a time and place for civil disobedience, but put the cuffs on and go. Don't make a big noise about it. If you're going to do that, go to jail. Keep your mouth shut. Do the time for the crime. In other words, we're supposed to be peacemakers, not agitators, not peace breakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who reconcile God to man. Blessed are those who share the gospel. That's our reward. Not when we, if we do property damage, not if we shout people down that we disagree with, then you're going to be persecuted for being a big mouth, a hothead, one of those hypocritical Christians. I think of the greatest social justice event that I can think of in history, in recent Western history. The French Revolution was ravaging in France. The Welsh coal miners in Wales, that's why they were Welsh, were on the verge of a revolt. The French Revolution was going to come to England with all of its carnage and destruction. And Wesley and Whitfield, what did they do? They organized a strike. No, in their gentlemanly clothes, they climbed down deep into holes in the ground with those coal miners, and they preached the gospel. And, and, and Wesley or Whitfield, I can't remember who it was in his journal, said as he proclaimed the gospel to these hardened, tough men who had miserable lives, they could see all of a sudden the lines forming in the coal dust in their face, and they realized these men were praying as they received Christ. And by those men coming to Christ, there was no carnage, there was no killing, there was no slaughter in England. One soul at a time, you change people from the inside out. It never goes unrewarded. Successful kingdom living never goes unrewarded. We lay up treasure in heaven. We go underground with the people who need us to come with them. We go where they are. We share the gospel. We lay up treasure in heaven. Fourth trait. The fourth trait of successful kingdom living can be understood as follows. And it's really out of place in the 21st century, let me tell you. It has no sense of entitlement. It has no sense of entitlement. We live in an age of offense. Everybody's offended. Microaggressions, macroaggressions, aggression, aggressions. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 3. We've kind of gone back upstream there. Blessed are the unentitled because they are saved. Because they know that the wages of sin is death. And the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. That whatever they're suffering, whatever injustice they experience, is really a fraction of what they deserve, having sinned against a holy God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right now, every person on earth at this moment that is alive, no matter what they are suffering, and this is really counterintuitive, I'm going to offend some of you, but no matter what they are suffering, is better, is better than they deserve. Because whatever they're experiencing in this life is a whole lot better than what's going to come apart from Christ in hell. The poor in spirit, those with no sense of entitlement, inherit the kingdom as glad, humble recipients of God's grace. They have poverty of spirit. They have a beggar's attitude, going to the table and asking for crumbs, making no demands on a holy God because the wages of sin is death. They realize that they themselves are entitled to nothing. 
and they ask for mercy. Oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, right? The tax collector. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven. He was down, oh, you know, and he's just smiting his chest. Be, oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went to his home justified. Justified means saved rather than the other. What was the Pharisee doing? Well, I'm glad I'm not like this guy. I'm glad I'm like this. I do this. I do this. I do this. I'm, I'm involved in all the right causes, entitled. Which went to heaven and which went to hell? This is right side up thinking in our upside down world. And it's counterintuitive. The unentitled don't complain. They rejoice. They live inside out lives, right side up thinking in this upside down world. I want to call your attention again to uh, in, uh, Acts chapter 5, 41 to 42. The disciples, the apostles, are beaten in the name of Christ. And what do they do? We have rights. We are members of the nation of Israel. You can't treat me that way. They left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease preaching and teaching that Jesus is the Christ. You want to change the world? You want to make a difference? Preach the gospel with your lips and with your lives. 1 Peter 2, 21 to 23 says this, and this has to do with Jesus in this one of these kangaroo courts, one of these, one of these uh, unjust trials. And what do we see here in 1 Peter 2, 21? And for this you have been called, because Jesus Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to one who judges righteously. The New American Standard says he uttered no threats. He was there to fulfill the mission that God gave him. He wasn't entitled to anything, and he sat there like a lamb led to the slaughter. He did not open his mouth like a sheep before his shears, and he gave us an example to follow, that we might follow in his steps. I know that's upside down from a worldly sense, but it's right side up in God's eyes. See, the whole world is upside down. The whole world is upside down in its thinking. The whole world wants to save itself, but they, it just exchanges one form of oppression for another. And it passes the same old tired laws again and again and never gets around to, enforces, to enforcing them. Now, having said all this, I want you to understand the fifth trait. The fifth trait to inside out, right side up living is this, and it is countercultural. It does result in privilege. It does result in privilege. Well, where do we see that? We see that in verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They have the privilege of suffering for the right reason, righteousness' sake. And what is theirs? The kingdom of heaven. This is the sandwich that is the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Everything that pours out of being poor in spirit comes, and then you have the privilege at the close of the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the interest of time, I won't be able to develop it much further, but I will say this. You get to suffer for the name. You get to suffer. You get to serve the, for the right kinds of reasons and the right kind of endeavor. You don't squander your life living for the here and now, dealing with temporal issues that have never been solved and will never be solved as long as there is sin and until Christ returns. Inside out, right side up living has these five character traits. It looks beyond this life to the next life. It, it starts in the heart. It goes from the inside out. It never goes unrewarded or unnoticed. 
It has no sense of entitlement, but it does have, membership does have its privileges. So the question is, what are you going to do? Are you going to waste your time saying, when somebody says, you know, my shoulder hurts when I do this, well, don't do that. Or are you going to say, you know, I can't, I can't fix that shoulder, but I can change your life and your eternity by giving you a message of hope. And if you do that, well, maybe the thief who steals will steal no longer. Maybe the bigot who bigots, that's a verb, will bigot no longer. Maybe the drunk who drinks will get intoxicated no more. But I can tell you this, we will not waste our time cleaning up the outside of the cup or putting lipstick on a pig or Bondo, if they still use Bondo, on the rusting hulk of a useless automobile. Because all the vehicles that this world uses to make people righteous on the outside fail and they don't change a thing. Now let me tell you what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't help people. I'm not saying turn your back on, on people. But what I am saying is this. It's just like one of my goals for our food distribution in the next two or three years. If we can't present the gospel, we're going to have to change suppliers so that we can give them the gospel because that's what they really need, right? It does no good to send people well-dressed and well-fed to hell. What does it profit a man that he gains the world but forfeits his soul? And that's why we're in Farm Drive. It's not about educating people. It's about the gospel. Anything less than the gospel is wood, hay, and stubble. It doesn't last. So I'm not saying we're not going to help people. What I'm saying is we're going to give them something that they really need, something that lasts, something that cannot be taken from them. We're going to live right side up in an upside down world, live out our faith in a compelling way, bringing glory to God, good to others, and growth to ourselves. So here's what I am saying. If you want to change the world, be a part of changing it one soul at a time, cultivating these attitudes in your life so that you can successfully model kingdom living in this upside down world also secondly conversely put away the childish things don't get involved in political slugfests disentangle yourselves from the enterprises that have no eternal value avoid the temptation to compromise your faith by aligning yourself with godless people pushing godless agendas no soldier enlisted by christ entangles himself in, in useless worldly pursuits thirdly Seek the eternal and not the temporal. Lay up treasure in heaven, not on earth. If you have to choose between giving the homeless person some money or giving them the gospel, give them something they really need. Stop putting band-aids on broken legs. Don't tell them don't do this. Instead, tell them how they can have a life-changing, eternity-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Having said that, too, I forgot to mention in the announcements, we have evangelism training, right? The Billy Graham Evangelistic Association is going to be doing evangelism training Tuesday night here in this, in this sanctuary with the Franklin Graham event coming up. They're doing their training here, and you're all invited if you want to come because that way you can equip yourselves. You see, we live in a toxic culture, and we want to do something that really matters for them. We want to, we want to change the world one soul at a time, and to do that... We have to pursue the one needful thing that all people have. That is a relationship with the Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the Sermon on the Mount. We thank you, Lord, that we can distill and derive keys for successful kingdom living so that we can live out our faith in a compelling way, so that we can major on the major, Lord, and minor on the minors and focus on the thing that changes everything, and that is the gospel. Father, help us as kingdom ambassadors to take stock in not just who we are, but whose we are, and always be aware of how we can live out our faith as we pursue 
and embrace these kings, these keys for successful kingdom living. Father, help us to live inside-out lives. Lord, right-side-up living in an upside-down world that some might be saved. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.